<laughs> and then, and then, she, and then, and then, and then, you remembered. Welcome. <laughs> that was very nightmare. I, I enjoyed was, that. Yeah. I enjoyed uh, that. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought we'd, I thought we'd make ourselves even more niche. Uh, hey. Welcome to the Big Damn Cast. My name is Big Damn Matthew. I am Big Damn Christoph. And we're here to wrap our Big Damn folds around your eyes, ears, and possibly futures. Like a soapy pop culture titwank. Wow. <laughs> you know, I would say that was a gratuitous tagline, but after you said it, I pictured it, and I was like, that's nice. We could put that on t-shirts. <laughs> we could put that on t-shirts and sell them. Um, it stings in the morning, but it's fun while it lasts. Why didn't we name this podcast <laughs> the Soapy Pop Culture Titwank? Oh my god, that's perfect. Oh god. Oh wow. Oh gee. I mean, just the logos alone would have brought us thousands of hits. We would never. We would never have taken off. Well, we we we, we, we would still. We would. We would, have, we would have been abreast of the rest. Anyway. Hey! Oh, we've come a long way. So! <laughs> Stop dying. I'm the one with the You've fatal cough. What are you doing? actually killed me. This week, we're going to chat about uh, Emma Watson and her inability to do wrong, despite sounding horrendous in the new Beauty and the Beast clip. Mm. Oh, I'm not paying a taxes, also. Really? What? She was like, shut the front door. She was one of the people named in like the Panama Papers when they came out. Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Allegedly. Oh, God. Well, also, uh, speaking of Beauty and the Beast, Josh Gad as well. We're going to touch on his interrogation of Daisy Ridley, which came to a beautiful Daisy head Ridley this Beast week. One more time. I'll rip your lungs out. <laughs> God, I love that film. Um, <laughs> the Fate of Hellboy 3, uh, M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong's recent TV news, and a couple films that are at the cinema right now. We're going to give our little thoughts on them, plus your emails and questions. But first... Foist. It's the weekly Batman roundup. Mr. Austin, Ben Affleck is still currently in the role of Batman. Young Buck Matthew Reeves may have taken over directing duties. Wait, hang on. No, wait, 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 wait. T- telegram. There's a telegram here. News just in. He's fucked off. <laughs> just before we were recording, I said to Matt, so, so we know that the Batman script might be getting a page one rewrite. Yeah. It's... Rumoured, not confirmed. Rumoured, not confirmed, but... The Flash definitely is. But that's worrying, because that means that the script that was being worked on by Jeff Johns and Chris Terrio and Ben Affleck would be out the window. Uh, Jeff Johns, as far as we were aware, if they go back to a page one rewrite, probably would be involved in that page one rewrite. I would have thought so. uh, Considering they're trying to Kevin Feige him up. Um, But we're like, you know, at least Matt Reeves is directing the Batman now. Not so! Not so! What bomb did you so, drop on me? Like a news came down like last a week. Box of dove um, onto my wobbly mammaries. This is from. Let me take it out of the box. Let's not get into that territory again. <laughs> uh, this is from Hollywood Reporter. Hollywood Reporter, King. Um, so <laughs> apparently, a week after entering negotiations to direct the Batman, Matt Reeves has exited the talks. Uh, Hollywood Reporter says that a studio source confirms the negotiations have broken down. The possibility, however, exists that talks could resume when heads cool, is the quote <laughs> they give. Um, the studio is intent on making the movie no matter what, as the Batman franchise has proven to be bigger than one person. Reeves is currently deep in post-production on War for the Planet of the Apes, which looks pretty good. 
So it could be that he's like, look, we'll talk about this later. I'm busy finishing this right now. Get me mm-hmm. back later. I'm fam by Jingo by Jobs. Apparently Ridley Scott and... <clears throat> um, it's about did Cloverfield as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Apparently Fe- F- uh, Ridley Scott and Fede Alvarez were also a bit floated for the director's chair, but they went to Matt Reeves. Of course Ridley Scott's going to not... Like, they won't even get to the point of having an appointment with him. They'll be too intimidated. But also... You're never going to get Ridley I don't Scott know if I'd want to see a Ridley Scott Batman movie. No. I don't, nowadays, I don't Ridley, know if I want to see any Ridley Scott movie. Ridley, Ridley Scott is so dependent on having the right script. Yeah. He technically is very, he's technically a very, very good director, <clears throat> especially visually. But he has no radar for choosing good scripts. No, like, no, 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 no. The Martian was the first good movie he'd made for so long. And it was brilliant, but it was a great script. Yes. It was it was boosted by having a solid backbone before he even got his hands upon us. But I don't think he knew it was a great script. No, <laughs> like because I think he thought Prometheus was a great script. <laughs> to for me to poop on. <laughs> um, it was a great uh, replacement toilet paper. I don't think <clears throat> it was a beautiful got... looking piece of toilet paper. Great, huge, huge, huge paper, huge paper for my gaping um, asshole, also known as my mouth. Um, <laughs> I mean, when he puckers it, I don't think. Which is ninety percent of the time. Quiet. Quiet. Um, I don't think that Mitchell, that Ridley Scott has picked a good script. No, since Gladiator, <gasps> and even then, the spectacle, the visuals, and the performances are what you take away from that movie. Not even the script. Oh, Gladiator's pretty good, man. <clears throat> the director's cut of Kingdom of Heaven is a lot better than the theatrical cut. Aye. It's also longer than the Bible. Um, but it's, you know, it's a better Does it feature a deleted scene showing you how uh, Matt Damon goes to poo? Matt Damon. It's the sound he makes when it comes out. Matt Damon. Yeah, yes, 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 Mr. Damon. Yes, um, yes, you, you're you're going to be fine. <laughs> so, yeah. Mr. Damon, sir. So I, I wouldn't want to see a Ridley Scott Batman movie. <clears throat> That's... I don't want to see many things. That is one of them. Yeah. But now it's dir- it's, it's rudderless and directorless <clears throat> once again. And possibly scriptless. And possibly. And possibly Batmanless. I also rumblings coming out that, that yeah. Ben Affleck is looking to get out of it. I think we covered that last week, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, the, 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 so, the rumour yeah. that is already circulating that he wants out, son! It's, it's upsetting to me that a regular fixture on our show yeah. has become reporting <clears throat> everything that's wrong with the Batman movie that I actually really want to see. I present to you the death of the Batman. I really, really want to see a solo Batfleck movie. Because I think that Ben Affleck's Batman was the best thing about both Batman Very Superman and Suicide Squad. The fruitcake is fantastic. <laughs> Anyone want a piece? <laughs> Stop. Three lines of mm. Troy Baker dialogue are already better than the movie. Yes, is likely going to be at this point. Um, let us all just uh, bow our heads for a second to acknowledge that the best Batman movie of this decade will be the Lego Batman movie by the end of this decade. Yes. <sighs> yes. Praise be to Lego Batman. <laughs> oh, praise be to him. In his brickness. In his lovely brickhead ways. Now, what else is... been out to rise. What else is bricked? Um, My ears certainly feel like they've been bricked in. I wish I could brick in the person who decided 
to make a live action Beauty and the Beast and every decision that they've made with it since making it. Because, man, that looks bad. A friend of mine on Facebook, in, re- in relation to the clip we're about to talk about, no said friends. it looks like... Well, not in real life, no. They're all automatons. I'm not even your friend. The friend, the friend a real. friend of mine on Facebook said... I'm you through a voice box. A friend of mine on Facebook said, would you be interested in these Amazon products? And then it showed me pictures of Amazon products I already bought from Amazon. Oh, my pals. My only friends are ads, and ads are my only friends. They read the mind, they know what I want. Um, so, but can't afford. Um, uh, he said, and I quote, um, it is like they have taken the animated classic and decided to remake it near shot for shot but shittier and shittier with every passing frame. Shit for shot. I do not understand the Universal love this movie's clips are getting online. They, they're getting blown. People really get, they are like getting Emma soapy titwanks. People really like Emma Watson. That's nice, you can really like Emma Watson, People but you, really it doesn't like mean Disney. you have to be blinded by what is clearly a really flat performance. Blinded by the shade. Nice. Lucy and I recently binged all Harry Potter movies over the last couple of weeks. Larry Potter? Larry Potter! <laughs> Leisure suit Larry Potter. Um, we recently binged all the Harry Potter movies again, and um, we realised over the course of them, Emma Watson's not brilliant as an actor. She has her moments, and she makes some great choices. I'm obviously not referring to the first couple of movies. She's a kid. She's learning her craft over the course of that time. Mm. <clears throat> as far You're as always casting... learning your craft. Oh, yes. But as far as as far as far casting for that first film goes, she's pretty bob-bomb because she's what you needed to be. You needed to be sort of a smarmy 11-year-old who's sort of like, well, actually, like that's kind of what the character is on the surface level in that first yeah, story. Yeah. Um, obviously, the book's got a little bit more in-depth, but whatnot. And then the character grows. By the third or fourth film, she sort of found her feet mm. as Hermione Granger. Or on the end of her legs, by the way. And, duh. I could have told fudge. her to start with and save her a lot of trouble. Giving her a tiny Marauder's map. Terrible. Just drawing of her legs and feet at the bottom. Terrible. Awful Terrible joke. During Can't the credits of The Prisoner of Azkaban, the Marauder's map end credits, there are two people fucking in a cupboard. That is not <laughs> a joke. In the last minute of the credits... <laughs> There is a small cupboard and there are two pairs of feet, one together, the other one facing it slightly apart, and they're jiggling. <laughs> True story. Check it out. Get your Prisoner of Azkaban DVDs out, watch through the credits. I'm gonna see I'm gonna see if I <clears throat> who that is while you continue your talk about everything that's wrong with, with everything that's beastly. Oh god. About the beast and the beast. Um, beast and the beast. Emma Watson isn't amazing. I'm sorry if you if you love her, that's fine. But on a technical level, she's not brilliant. I'm trying to think of other actors who sort of who are beloved but aren't actually that great. Off the top of your head, can you think of any? Like Christopher Walken's a decent example. In certain things, he's excellent. In other things, he's terrible but very entertaining. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would never, I would I... never put him on a pedestal of like the greatest actors of all time. For yeah, Nick Cage acts his heart out, but a lot of the time, Nick it Cage is, is it is the worst pitching for the the thing that he's doing. I mean, he's terrible. Like, it's terrible decisions. Emma Watson doesn't make terrible decisions. She just doesn't seem to have enough to give. To, do you know what I mean? Beyond the basics, can she say the lines? Yes. Can she sound somewhat convincing? Yes. Can she handle drama? Sometimes, very well. Other times, it's like she's just farting quietly in a corridor. 
and she just wants it over and done with. And that seems to be what I'm getting from the clips for Beauty and the Beast. She seems bored. And now I know obviously the clip is from Belle, the opening song, where Belle is basically going like, oh, this town's so simple, but, you know, oh, maybe one day I'll go somewhere bigger, yeah? Mm. I'll, do something, I'll do something bigger and more exciting, like the books that I love, I have a passion for. In this clip, she's like, yeah, I describe a book with zero sort of enthusiasm. But I also sing about how boring everything is in a pleasant, monotonous way while smiling at the people I'm calling boring in my song. I'm no expert, Chris. And then we get to the singing. I'm no expert. You are. But as a singer... Yes. And someone who records sounds... Mm -hmm. On a... Semi-regular basis. Amateur, but regular basis. (laughs) Sounds pretty fucking auto-tuned, bro. It does, right? We said this for the the TV spot in December. Yeah! uh, I want so much more than they've got planned. Because she doesn't have a natural vibrato. You can correct me if my if my terminology is wrong here. It doesn't seem to be a natural vibrato coming out of it. It seems to be like a wavering thing. There doesn't seem the... to be much vibrato on it. it there doesn't seem to be any power behind it. <clears throat> give me, give me, give me a random little vocal pop in. I don't know a, a note of your choosing. I don't know. So just a random that? little sound. Um, to tell us what note it be. I don't know. I'm not got perfect pitch. You are a beautiful man, though. Um, you, you are so, a, you are a beautiful son of a pitch. So it's difficult for me to, to approximate because I don't sing in a woman's register. But for example, you say that. I've, so I've I've seen you sing into a woman's. There's um, a, a difference. Till. There's a difference between. <laughs> Does that make sense? Just coming up with a mental image of you singing into a cash register in front of a bemused woman. Is it? It's happened. Um, I can't pay in money, but I can pay. In song! So there's a difference because it's a musical. Yes. And in a musical, you've got to have a lot of life <clears throat> in your voice and your face with what you're doing to imbue the song with meaning. <clears throat> so there's a difference between something like. Just to clarify, Matt be, is genuinely trained as a performer. Yeah, what it should be with something like. We're not just being wanky, he's being certifiably qualified. Wanky. In that opening sequence, <laughs> you are. Just preempting the haters. You haters with a Z. Yeah. You're trying to bring an audience into you, and you're trying to excite them. And even though you're bored, you have to have energy behind what you're doing and intention. Mm. So it should be something like, "There goes the bread uh, baker. There goes the baker with his bread, like always." And it's yeah. and it, the difference between "There goes the baker with his bread, like always." And it's just there's no pa- power there's behind no it. No life, by the way. But it should, it, it should be full of even if you, you're bored. It's like. <sighs> There goes the baker with his bread like always. And it's just all it's in. You need to. You it need to has oomph behind oomph. it. Yes. And it's just, it's all on one level. It's all flat. Can you recall, I can't recall it's his name, I can't recall his name, but the man who came into Pendleton that one time to basically sort of give us the workshop and they, we tied it into, I, I, as a performing arts student, I, it is a sin that I don't remember this. <laughs> but obviously <laughs> as a musical theatre student, you may have I a sharp memory of it. Do you recall... Shortly before we performed The Hunchback of Notre Dame at Manchester Cathedral, ah. a musical director joined us for a talk, and as part of the talk, sort of, like, basically taught us, re-showed re- us, re-taught us. us how to approach oh, the start of that yeah, song. I can't, I, 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 that's going to haunt me forever, because it, it, it was such an eye-opening random tidbit, mm. it was only for, like, ten minutes, that bit of the chat. Yeah, yeah. 
but I remember it, it was just he was talking at the very beginning of the the Bells of Notre Dame song at the start of Hunchback of Notre Dame. You know, morning in Paris, the city awakes to the bells of Notre Dame, and because it has that sort of that flowing, you know, the fisherman fishes, the bakerman bakes to the bells. And he said the thing about that is you are just you are just listing a description of a marketplace of, of the town. You're just saying. This is what's happening, and these are the things, and this happens over there. He's over there, and she's over there, and look, he's fucking over there. I was just saying that. They're fucking in the cupboard. But he said, just... <laughs> look at it! It's oh, true! No, I've looked at it! It's, it's, it's real! It's true! It's um, real! Um, but what he said, take... You're listing those things, and just even if even if you don't have an emotional anchor to attach to those specific things, which you wouldn't at this point. The song in itself isn't even about these things. The song is about the bell tower and the mysterious person there and how he came to be there. So it's not even got to the bit that the song is about. Yeah. But because you are pulling people in for the tale, he was just talking about playing with emphasis. Mm. And I remember very distinctly, it's the line, you know, the, uh, the fisherman fishes, the bakerman bakes to the bells. He was going like, the fisherman fishes, the bakerman bakes. He was like, just pull on the words. Because it just sounds like a... There's yeah. these little sort of spiked things. It's like, the fisherman fishes, the baker man yeah. bakes to the bells of... No-. Because you're not the important you, bit, but you want people to be like, all right, what does the fisherman do? Or what does the baker do? You just want to them to naturally have, feel that. You've got to have an opinion. You know what it. You know what the fisherman does. You know what the baker man does. It doesn't, but the song's got to make you go, does he? Oh, shit. It doesn't matter yeah. what so, so much what it is, as long as people think it's interesting. But you've got to have a thought about the fisherman and a thought about the baker man. Yeah. And that the fisherman is fishing and yeah. the baker man is <sighs> baking. Yeah. That's... A picture is being painted is. in your head. Even yeah. though you can see it, the music has to make you... Again, we're getting wanky pretentious. The music has to make you feel it. That's the singing the has to make you feel it. You have to be surrounded. You are seeing it there in front of you in a little block, in a little hole in a wall, effectively. Yeah. And it has to surround you. Like, you have to be not sat in a seat, eating ice cream, watching a show. You're The, the show is everything. Every now and again, you need to go, oh shit, I've got some ice cream. I've spent full yeah. ice cream. Yeah. Like, it's meant to submerge you. And film I is paid, the same. I, I, I paid £14 for this ice cream! Yeah. It's melting in my lap! By Jingo. But I don't mind because that fisherman fishes Bakerman Bray to the village of Billy Who. Um now oh, God. the song Bell is the opening to Beauty and the Beast, Disney film, and, and obviously now the live action. Oh, is that what we're talking about? Oh yeah. Jesus. And Bell is our introductory character. Now, here's the weird thing about this clip. If you've not seen this clip, go on YouTube, go and watch. Give it a watch. Bell, Beauty and the Beast. Just search for that. Um And Watson is flat and dead behind the eyes. Yeah. Her singing is... Here's the thing. I imagine her natural singing voice is not unpleasant, but it's not particularly remarkable in any way. It's just sort of like, you know, it's it's, it's nice enough. Problem is we can't hear any of her natural tone because it's been auto-tuned to balls. Now, we have no proof of this, but you've got this thing called ears... It just doesn't we, we sound have them. right. We, we've got ears. Uh, we've had them for... How long have you had you? I've had mine about... So probably about as long as I've been alive. I've had my ears for 29 <clears throat> years. That rhymed. It's always in a That's rhyme. my observation of the day. <laughs> it's always in a rhyme. Ears and years rhyme, Chris. How long How long have you had those ears in, in song form? I've had my ears for 29 years. That's fucking beautiful. That's... I mean, that's the name of this episode now. Don't <laughs> so what the thumbnail's going to be. Um, so there's that. But yeah, um, like you can hear it. You can hear the tampering. Yeah. 
I can, I can hear... It's so odd, which we heard on that prior clip. And even without that, you can just hear that there's nothing there. Mm. There's nothing there. But that's okay, because they interrupt it with a bit of new ad-libbing. Yeah. Different ad-libs with the various townsfolk from the original song. That's fine. Mad so notation. Mad-libs. Riff tracks. Um, but... The first one is really sort of odd and out of place. It's a character, character interaction that signifies... There's a bit more going on with a character that we're probably only going to see again sort of in the market stall or during the, you know, like Kill the Beast or something like that. Yeah. And a lot of people in the comments of YouTube pointed out something that suddenly hit me. Having just recently marathoned Harry Potter, I'm surprised I didn't spot it. It's a Harry Potter reference. It's just like you're looking for something. Yes, the problem is I can't remember what it was. I'm sure it'll come to me. It's when she talks about Neville's remember all. Mm. It glows red when you've forgotten something. And then Neville goes, yeah, trouble is I can't remember what I've forgotten. Now, it's not a line-for-line thing, but a lot of people in the comments have noted there's no other reason why that would be an exchange of dialogue with the character played by Emma Watson other than to very specifically reference a similar exchange of dialogue between a previous character from another thing and a character would, played by Emma Watson. That, it, it might it, not be that simple, but if it is, it's not that what it an seems... odd place to put an in-joke in your introductory song to a character who you're trying to convince the audience is this character now, it, not the one you yeah, commonly associate like it with. It seems like a perfectly normal piece of fluffy, like, tongue-in-cheek dialogue between mm. two characters. Mm. Until you take into account, no, this that's Emma Watson, she was in Harry Potter? Yeah. That's an interaction that she's <clears> had with someone else That'd be like in a different that, movie. That'd be like if a scene in Horns, randomly someone turned to, to Daniel Radcliffe's character and went like, Oh, you've got a springy wand, governor. Well, I don't know if you've seen Horns. I'm not, <laughs> not sure any of the characters would naturally say that dialogue. I, I'd say that. When I meet Daniel Radcliffe, when I finally meet Daniel Radcliffe, I'm going to turn to him and say, Oh, you've got a springy wand, governor. Shiny wand, governor. Oh, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. Then you breathe on it and you rub it. And we were like, Hi, Mr. Radcliffe, you're pretty cool. You're a pretty cool guy. You've been through all of the hellish stuff that actors tend to go through in your teens. Also, well, that though. Swiss Animal movie was weird. What was that like making that? I still need to see that. I, I've not seen it. I've I seen, really want to see that. It looks very strange. <laughs> but I like Paul Dano and I, and I quite like Daniel Radcliffe, so yeah. But, but that'd be like someone during Horns going, um, alright, uh, like, I don't know, just saying like, I don't freaking know, like he, say like he picks up a pen and they're like, oh, the pen chooses the person. Like it'd be like, well, that's the one chooses the wizard thing. Like you're obviously, but you know, there'd be better examples. <laughs> Like, I can't. I can't remember what if, I can't remember what it is, but I'm sure if anyone remembers the movie Thunderpants, a I'm sorry. B there is a such thing as alcohol. Help yourself. And C, I think I said C twice. Thunderpants. Is, I don't think I've ever seen Thunderpants. Thunderpants was a movie that came out during early Harry Potter days, where Rupert Grint played a very eccentric kid. It was like the mad professor. It was before kid Rupert. The kid before Rupert Grint's voice broke. That's for sure. Yeah. Before he made driving lessons. Yeah. <laughs> That's him and Julia Walters, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, that's an example of interesting casting. They're like, you two work well together. We're going to put you in another thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the, the, I can't recall if not, but I'm sure when I saw Thunderpants, I know, help me, explains a lot though, doesn't it? Um, that there was a throwaway Harry Potter reference in there somewhere. And I remember as a kid thinking, well, that's annoying. It was either in the film or one of the, tra- yeah. or one of the trailers. One of the trailers had like a reference to it. And I just remember thinking, really? It wouldn't surprise me. And it's just distracting. So this is happening in, B- in The Beast now. Now, the other odd thing about this is this clip was from a Disney event about 
a week ago. And other people online have been talking about what they've seen either side of the clip that's been put online, i.e. the beginning of the number. Now, in the original film, there's a little um, intro by Belle, the bit where she goes, Little town, it's a quiet mm-hmm. village every day like that. Sorry, hang on. Little town, it's a quiet it's village every day like that. Yeah. Um, but Just sing better, Chris. I'm, no, pay me. If they can pay Emma Watson to be put through fucking eight filters, they can pay me. Best direction I ever got on anything. We'll pay you. Okay. Was a simple two-word note. Yeah. Act better. Fuck, that's... You start to you start to question yourself just, when you get given that instruction, don't you? Better. I was a student at the time, so sorry. <laughs> oh God! But um, that's really morbid. <laughs> what was it? Oh yeah. So there's that intro in the original song. According yeah. to people who've seen the clip, that intro isn't in this version, which is kind of telling, because for Bell's vocals to not open that song, why would you remove that? Because she yeah. she oh she intros the song yeah like, um um what's it every day like the one before little town uh, full of little people waking up to say bonjour 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 and that's where you get that so this yeah. one just opens with a bunch of people going bonjour bonjour it's like okay are we in France I guess a, a very uh, Queen's English version of France yeah apparently. but no everyone's got like a weird not quite French not quite English even Emma Watson mm. has a weird weird accent they've, they've all like, put they've all just, put like a tint of something in there like it's just tinge. sort of nondescript yeah except for you and McGregor who's just gone full on weird French French based on his wife's accent I believe <laughs> if that's the case I think his wife might actually be someone pretending to be French um, don't so... be cool about you McGregor's wife you McGregor is cool you McGregor is great um, that is a fact uh, it's not his fault he can't do a good impression <clears throat> of his wife oh hey hey um so there's that. Apparently Gaston is a soldier. Awesome. Recently back from combat. I don't like that. Also, I thought Gaston was a coward. Because that, well, exactly that. Well, no, Gaston's not. No, Gaston's not a coward. He, he is when the moment. There's that moment during the fight where the beast genuinely freaks him out. Yeah. But then he tries to kill the beast by killing him when his back is turned. So he's a coward, but he's not. A, he's not. You know, above lashing out and stuff. He's he's a he's he's not a coward. He's a backstabber. <sighs> yes. He's completely self-serving. Yeah. Everything's about him. Him being a soldier contradicts that immediately because he's fighting for something. He's fighting for other people. He might be fighting because he wants to be a hero, but that means he's still saved lives. He might be fighting because he likes fighting people. Maybe. But either way, soldier is sort of, like, in terms of immediate kind of cinematic language, you see someone's a a soldier, it implies nobility, discipline... Um, usually, unless they're shown doing a callous act in the line of duty, it usually says that their heart's in the right place. Like they they are fighting yeah, because yeah. they believe in something, or they you know they want to protect people rather than just being completely self-serving. Like you say, yeah. So it doesn't work. It's better when Gaston's just like the town hunter. He's the in the, in the original Disney version. He's he's a hunter. He's a game hunter. Characterization he's, through he's, context. He's Craven the hunter, minus the mustache. He's a Craven hunter. Plus the baritone. No, we established he's not a coward. Um. So yeah, well, but uh, oh god, and every last interview, every last interview was covered with hair. Uh, yeah, he's especially good at expectorating. So, now, I'm not a massive fan of him being a soldier, but I wait and see the film to see the full context. Also, Belle's an inventor; she's the inventor and not her dad. That's fine. I would rather it be they both invent, if that makes any sense, because then it's that whole thing of they are their own little unit. Like what made them such a cute little father daughter unit in the Disney original was the fact that she was the dreamer. He was the creator. 
So it's almost like the two what the two of them had in common was imagination. Yeah. Her being the inventor and him not seems a bit like oh, like I'd rather them both be inventors if that's the case. Um, but also there is that weird thing. The song is the song's the same, apart from the missing intro. From what we see, like you know, we're gonna get that bit where someone says like with a dreamy far off look. I don't know, stuck in a book. Um, the book that she but, talks but, about, but talks but about doesn't but, have isn't carrying. But also she's and she when she talks about she's reading goes about two lovers in fair Verona. A, you make that sound like the dullest thing in the world, to the point where the character's response is, "Oh, that sounds boring." <laughs> so B, this whole thing sounds boring. That and original, actually, that original, again, the original musical. Just Emma Watson. Everyone sounds bored. Yes. That original musical as well. That original Disney one. She's walking through the town with her nose stuck in a book. Yeah, she's reading. The next a book. person she visits is the librarian. Oh she my says God. the line, I have to return this book yeah. and isn't holding a fucking book! So there is that. Um, do you know what else really hurts me? Where's the book? Come on now, come now, come now, come now, come now, come now, come here, let me stroke you behind the ear. Stroke behind the ear. Nice. Um... <laughs> <laughs> a lot, and obviously they've added their own ad libs, but it actually breaks my heart slightly to not hear the line. Oh, that's nice, Marie. The baguettes, hurry up! <laughs> Even Star Kids Twisted puts that in their yeah. marketplace scene because it's such an iconic, random little bit of dialogue from the original. But also, like, just the whole blocking of it is weird. Like she, she. Talking, she throws shade at the baker while you, you walking get, you, directly toward him. You get no sense of geography as well. No, 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 not at all. Like, it looks like winding streets, maybe. And then she's skipping stones <clears throat> across a river, and then she's on top of a wall. Yeah, she walks over the kids' laundry. <laughs> which would make sense if her nose was stuck in a book, but, but it isn't. She's looking where she's going. She's just being a dick. <laughs> she's got a lot of people saying, like, what's with the dress? It sort of looks a bit steampunky. Like not, it's not. Yeah. She's not covered in the, like ga- the, design, in the actually, gadgets per se, but it looks more like a yeah. sort of you know. Oh right, she's sort of got like a pocket here. She's got like a satchel built into the side of it. Yeah, but then she's not carrying anything. Maybe the so book's in there. Weird. In which case, take the book out and show it when you say, "I'm taking <clears throat> this or even, book even just, back." Even just pat the bag. Like you just pat the bag to indicate there's a book in here. I'm taking this book. I'm back. saying. I'm saying this. Book. We are really nitpicking something that we've barely seen, but I'm just going to say The it more now. I think about that particular line, the more it pisses me off. I was sat in the cinema when I, when I saw Lego Batman the first oh, time. God. Hello, my name is Chris Johnson. I've seen it three times. I'm an addict. When I saw it the first time, Beauty and the Beast teaser trailer, the original teaser trailer played before it, you know, the one with just the shots of the castle. Beautiful yeah. visuals. Like it shows that in its prime and then it slowly fades into sort of cobwebs and everything. It looks gorgeous. And the music started playing and there was this couple a few seats away from me. And both of them went as soon as the because it begins with that and it's it's a nice arrangement. But the moment it began, they both went oh, and they like held each other's hands. And I just I just thought to myself, the thing that's niggled me the most about the, every new trailer yeah. is everyone goes oh the music. And I'm like, yes, it's beautiful music. Guess what? It exists. You can already hear it. And see it in motion. You've probably got the DVD on your shelf. Mm. I, 
It's a new interpretation, is the common argument. I'm sorry. It was said best by Rich Evans when Red Light Media were talking about Ghostbusters 2016. They said, it is open to comparison because it is an adaptation of something we've already seen. Like, it is adapting, sometimes trying to replace something that already exists. Comparison is fair when you're talking about it. Mm. It's not its own thing if it's sticking so closely to the thing it's adapting. You can try and take it on its own merits, and you're welcome to, but you also have to put it in some wider um, cultural context, mm. which is... What, like, especially with something as culturally impactful as yeah. the Beast has been. Like, like you couldn't, for example, there's less, of, there's less of a case to be made in terms of comparison with Spider-Man 2 and The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Mm. Because they're not the same film. The only thing they have in common is they're about Spider-Man and they're the second film in their respective series. And they are also adaptations of that character, so therefore are open to comparison in that. Yeah, yeah, you could respect, you could compare it depends on the source material, yeah. the previous versions of the characters and stuff. Yeah. But in this case, like Ghostbusters 2016, Beauty and the Beast 2017 looks like it is a live-action remake, emphasis on remake, shit for shit, shit for shit, of the animated 1991 movie. Yeah. That movie exists. It is a near-perfect film. It is one of Disney's strongest animated um, feature films. Yes. If you want that, go and see that. Please stop preemptively sucking the dick of this new one based on the stuff you like from the old one. This has leaned into nostalgia yeah. more than any of the other live-action Disney remakes that have come recently. Yeah. And I also, I also... I really don't want them to continue this tradition, but they are. Live action Lion King, man. We've got the news that Donald Glover is playing Simba in the live action Lion King. Cool. And okay. uh, James Earl Jones is returning as Mufasa. Don't understand why. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I love James Earl Jones, but he. I, I felt from listening to it, from hearing him in Rebels and also from hearing him in Rogue One, his voice has aged. Yeah. He's lost some of his power. Which is fine, because he's in his fucking 80s. Yeah. Like, that's alright. Uh, James, you don't have to do the sound effects. No, it's just Sorry, I was my, just, uh... just taking off my breather. <laughs> is everything alright? I'm going to beat you with a crowbar until you go away. What's up, bro? I think that's from Feel the Dream. Oh, gosh. I'm no longer a public figure. I don't do appearances. I just want to be left alone. <laughs> I can see you being inconvenienced, and I'm willing to compensate you. Shall we say one million American dollars? Very well. Two million American dollars. Considering you had to think for a second about whether or not it was that movie. You just spouted out a lot of dollars. That was coming to America. Oh, God. The last one was coming to America. But I can't do the action. Um, Even though I'm like, so James Earl Jones has been cast as Mufasa in the live-action line kick. That's a whole other thing. We'll get into that again, I'm sure. But like... Then why not just, I don't know, watch the original? Like, what's the fucking point? Nostalgia. It's a nostalgia play. Nostalgia is not a bad <gasps> thing. Because... This I, is CBS. Look at The Force Awakens. Yeah, but People hate was... it for its, for, its, for its play on nostalgia, but... But it was still a new story. I think it balanced it, it nostalgia took something very we well, knew, yeah. And it played with a toy box we're very familiar with. Also, and it didn't push anything 
past a comfortable place. I feel they also... But it was still the... a new story I, I and a new experience. In that particular example... For all of its new hopiness, it still did things that New Hope never did. In that particular example, they had to lean on nostalgia a little harder than they might normally have just to reassure people that, this wasn't that they weren't the being misled version. again. Yeah. Because yeah. I think there was prequels have left such a bad taste in some people's mouths. Yeah. Um, don't try and eat DVDs, guys. That's what'll happen. Hey! And you'll choke on the VHS. There's a lot of tape in there. It's like a TARDIS. Um, <laughs> so I think they had to Big use the cast. We're not endorsing the consuming of DVDs the or VHS. The consumption of DVDs and VHS. But um, if you do want to try it, don't say we didn't want you. You cannot consume VHSs. They are an endangered species. They are no longer being produced, just like the Wii U. Um, if you're gonna, if you're, if you're gonna murder them, murder them with dignity. There the are no more VHSs being made. <laughs> Save our VHS. Um, I think the problem is with these new Disney live-action remakes. You don't have to lean into nostalgia as hard because you don't mm. have to convince people that it's going to be good because people have fond memories of the last one like yeah people have fond memories of a new hope but they have bad memories of the prequels so you yeah. kind of have to lean into that harder to get past it mm. um, i think i think i mean nostalgia is going to play a factor in this the whole thing's kind of because it, it, it's that whole thing of oh we could just go this is ridiculous be original but then the jungle book was a very well told the jungle book was of that really story good, yeah. that used the disney film as its main source of inspiration yeah. but went back to the source material as well and I hear really good things about Cinderella actually yeah Lucy says that it's a really enjoyable flick mm. like it's a bit visually a bit drab in places like it's got that grading thing yeah. going over it but Kenneth Branagh basically has gone I'm going to tell a fairy tale in live action Kenneth Branagh because we haven't had I mean obviously there have been lots of live action movies using the Cinderella story. Oh, I mean yeah. there's a bloody clue, a Cinderella yeah. story. Like using Cinderella as as their spine, but this is the first like one for you know since like the bloody 40s or whatever. Where it's like we're just going to tell this story as traditionally as possible yeah. in live action. No twists, no yeah. gritty reimagining, no, no a twist in time, modern updates, um, none of that. It's just you know this is this is what it is and and you know what for what it's for, great. Uh Maleficent Went too far the other way with Beauty and, with uh, Sleeping Beauty. Also, it's not very good because it remade Sleeping Beauty in the last ten minutes and <laughs> took one of the most wonderfully evil and deliciously sinister characters in family cinema and made them empathetic. Uh, also, it's not very good. Uh, yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> did you know when the original drafts of the script were written by Paul Dini? Imagine what if we'd have got that one. That would have been interesting. Um, so there's that. That might have been alright. Uh, that would have been pretty cool. Um, so there's that. Uh, Jungle Book was great because John Favreau basically was like, no one's told this story since special effects have advanced to the point where they have. I'm going to be the first to do it. So it works. Jungle Book works. It's a great telling. There's still the human element of Mowgli. So it's about... It, it, subliminally, you're watching that and marvelling at the technical mm. um, execution of it all. It is characters we know and love, but only a couple of them are the same as, as the previous Disney version, like Bagheera and Mowgli, I think, are the only two that are kind of exactly the same as the yeah. previous iteration. Um, and then everyone else is sort of, like, bulked up and, and changed to make the threat feel more viable. And it's less got on 90s. It's not a jazzy music yet. Lots of belts, lots of pouches. I was going to say, like, Kingler comes out with shoulder pads covered in pouches. Those weird cowls where your hair comes out the top, but everything else is covered. Oh, God. Like Gambit used to wear. Fuck <laughs> Car rocks up in the frame with no feet. 
like a Rob Liefeld drawing. <laughs> oh, wait, no, it's because there's no. And a um, gun that just looks like a grey shape with a barrel on it. <laughs> a formless gun. Shea Khan was a tiny head and just a shit ton of veins. Yeah. Um, side on shot. Clearly, the blue's chest is bigger than the rest of his. Clearly started as a as a front on shot, but then moved to a side on shot halfway through drawing it. Um, but that movie, that movie, that movie, whether or not the the script was good or whether or not it directly adapted the original animated version, it was always going to stand apart because it was about telling this story in a visual effects like like kaleidoscope mm. that had never been done before, that never looked this good before. So it was always going to be a visual marvel, regardless of whether it was a good film or not. Luckily, it was a good film. Look, luckily. Um, so there's that. Lion King, don't see the point of doing a live-action thing with all CGI characters. Uh, if they do Mulan, I'm kind of fine with that, because I'd like to see a family movie that... Well, they are doing as long as, the, as long as they don't do it in the Lord of the Rings um, copycat vein that most of the 2000s kids' films were about. They were like, we've got, we've got to have an army! We've got to have a big army battle in Narnia for some reason. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, all this stuff... As long as they don't do it like that and they are more light-hearted with it, I'd love to see that. Dumbo, don't understand why that's happening. Will Smith's not involved with that anymore. He's not anymore. He was a couple I of weeks ago, wasn't he? He was cast so. as like the dad of a family that teach Dumbo how to fly. If the I, hell? If I recall correctly, oh God. he's left the project. He said, what we're going to be wearing? And Tim Burton went pinstripes. And he went, fuck no. And he just walked off set. Uh, yeah, as of last month, he's not. He's no longer appearing. For Christ's sake! Did someone make a joke um, about his ears? Or he just got offended and left. Probably. Um, um, disclaimer: Will Smith does have big ears. Do I'm you, not being offensive. Do you think I'm just being hurt, hurt, hurtful? Hurtful. Do you, do you think they'll they'll cast a white woman as Mulan? If they do, they are fucking stupid. Do you think they'll cast if they do if they remake Pocahontas they'll cast a white woman as Pocahontas? They'll never do Pocahontas. They'll never touch that garbage fire again. <laughs> that garbage fire of moral um, quandary. It's and, just and like oh, that quagmire of offensive nonsense. Um, that's the thing. If they cast a white woman as Mulan, and they said like, "Well, we just went to cast the right person for the role," that's when you just point at Neil Sethi in Jungle Book and go, "Yeah, see what he did yeah. there. See what he did there. Do that. You made a star." You made a star. Do it again now. You fucking bastard. That's what those roles are for. As long as she's old enough for the, the love story not to be creepy, make sure she is an actor of the right like ethnicity and the right age and the right ability mm. to perform this story. Don't just freaking like say, Anna Kendrick is Mulan. God, that, I mean, I love Anna Kendrick, but she's not... No. She's not Japanese? No, Anna Kendrick would have been a great is Mulan belle. Japanese or Chinese? I'm just saying Anna Kendrick would have been a great belle. Is Mulan Just Japanese saying. or Chinese? Chinese. Chinese. Dirty knees. She's not Chinese. Look at these. Anna Kendrick would have been a great bell. Mm. That's my final word on the map. Anna Kendrick would have been a great bell. Yeah. Just saying. I think she's a little old for it now. Bullshit. The Beast is ten. The whole thing is completely age-fucked up. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, The Beast is technically... 20. Wait, hang on. The Beast is twenty. Twenty-one? But he's um he's he's still like sort of in the same mindset. Oh, actually, isn't Anna Kendrick around the same age than Morgan? Anna Kendrick, is, no, Anna Kendrick is thirty something. Oh, okay, but she looks in her mid twenties. She does look real young. So and she can sing. She can sing. The point of this is basically Anna Kendrick should have been Belle. That's the conclusion we seem to have reached. 
what yeah, conclusions right. we've reached. What's next on the list? Because my um, God, we have given this movie more time than it deserves based on our opinion so far. Let's let's touch briefly on uh, another person who would have been an excellent Belle. <laughs> I don't know. If she, I don't know if she can sing. I don't know if she can sing. But um, hopefully she could. Daisy Ridley has been making Murder on the Orient Express uh, again. Ken Branagh. Ken Branagh's Murder on the Orient Express uh, with Josh Gad. And over the last few weeks, Josh Gad has been releasing videos of him trying to get information about Star Wars Episode Eight at Daisy Ridley. It's wonderful. They're brilliant, because they're obviously just like, hey, this would be funny, can we do this? Yes. And then he starts recording. <laughs> but he's up to the ante every time. So there's been four of them. The first one was him asking Daisy Ridley who's the last Jedi and asking the questions. And then he quote-unquote raises his voice. He doesn't. He no, just says, no. answer my damn questions, do you? Um, and then they give up. Second video, he hands her some new pages of script. The script's been tweaked, so he just wants to go over the lines with her. Yeah. And he starts asking her questions in the script about The Last Jedi, and then it says, uh, and then it says, uh, you, you answer honestly. And she obviously cottons onto it and tells him to go away. <laughs> the third one felt like it could not be topped. Because Dame Judy Dench is sat there, completely poker-faced. Head-scarfed. Head-scarfed. Clearly with questions written just below Josh Gad's phone for her to glance at not that every she, time he moves. Not that she lets on. Because no, she's a fucking pro. Because she's a goddamn pro. But she asks her questions and it's just brilliant. There was no way to top that. Oh, was there? Are you How the do you Jedi? top Judy Dench? What's the deal with Raylo? Oh my god. That <laughs> What's was... the deal with Raylo? <laughs> oh <God>, <laughs> I would. I wouldn't be surprised if even Daisy Ridley was like, "What is that? I don't get that." Um, oh, she's a young woman. She's been on Tumblr. Oh, I don't know. She she had Instagram for like a month, and then she got rid of it. I think she. Yeah. I think she's part of that generation of, of actors who just go, "I'd rather not be on this." Yeah, I'd rather not. I'd rather I'd just rather leave not. this now. Um, unlike those like Chris Pratt who just embraced it. Um, who just post utter shit all Chris the time. Chris Pratt embraces. <laughs> Have you seen? <laughs> <laughs> have you seen the um, where they do it they, they're on some show and they've got, they've got to like do schoolyard insults to each other with Jennifer Lawrence when they were promoting passengers oh god no how's that, how's that like <laughs> the only thing weaker than your acting is your iCloud password <gasps> how does she react to that <laughs> considering stone face it's like not happy stone face <laughs> Do you know what? Do you know what? I'm not condoning what happened in relations to her iCloud, but at the same time, I'm glad she got upset at a joke he made because she was horrible to that foreign reporter last year at the Golden Globes and everyone's already forgotten. So, J-Law is not relatable. She's a bitch. Anyway, so, um, this last video, Josh Gad. She's just like us. Takes Daisy, because she's also a dickhead. Daisy Ridley is taken by Josh Gad back to quote unquote Josh Gad's house because he wants to properly make it up to her and like you know like sit her down and apologise yeah. he doesn't have any questions for her anymore these guys do suddenly reveal an ensemble cast <laughs> we don't know what for yet but all we know is that amongst them is Penelope Cruz Penelope Cruz just going full full like, Spanish full Latina yeah full Spanish brilliant uh, Bryce Dallas Howard making a sort of Jurassic World yeah, ju- reference about definitely making a dig at Jurassic World. Uh, Chris Pratt reminding us all that there's a new Jurassic World out next year, and that he's in Guardians of the Galaxy, and that he's in the Avengers. Oh, oh I can answer that. 
I'm in the Avengers? <laughs> and then the final reveal of J.J. Abrams asking, will Luke talk in this one? Please, please, please tell me, Daisy. <laughs> Luke say anything. And then it just cuts to Daisy Ridley, who has done a terrible job of not cracking up at the end of each of these videos so far. She seems to... She sort of like... She almost a, makes a, it. a wavering smile always pops out. At the end of this one, she just gives up. It's beautiful. It's so good. Just... It's so good. Josh Gad doing the Lord's work of creating really sweet, fun little temporary memes. It's better than in being in a fucking Adam Sandler movie, so I'm happy with that. That is, Yes, that is true. And also, what great subliminal marketing for Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. Because yeah. we all want to see it now. Because we'll all see the trailer and we'll go, oh shit, that's what they were making. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Daisy Ridley. She's a star. <laughs> She's a star, kid. Have you seen the uh, the, nah, fir- the, the first the first pictures from Lash and I? Uh, when you say for AKA pictures, the, toy box the marketing, which which Star Wars and Disney, yeah, makes, yeah, which makes me think. Basically, I'm just going to say the first toys they September. took they took stuff to Toy Fair and the oh, packaging, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then probably on the way to Toy Fair went, oh shit. We should put this out. We should put this out. Yeah. <laughs> because a lot of people pointed out, and I've got to admit, they were like, wow, what a really underwhelming first glimpse at the movie. I don't know, like, that's... Well, considering considering by a year and a half before The Force Awakens released, we'd had the first teaser trailer. Yeah. Actually, shit, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. We, we had the teaser trailer for Fuck. Force Awakens at Comic-Con the year before. That was the teaser of John Boyega yeah. and, and all the new characters, Stormtroopers. Then in, I think it was December, we got the second teaser trailer. The one with Chewie. We're home. But like we it was... a year between that teaser and Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. Because, because Because that teaser again was showing all the new stuff. And then Harrison Ford. And then we got, I think it was two, vari- two, two trailers after that that were sort of variations on each other. Yeah. Uh, which was fine with the with us as a planet because we were like, great, we will happily wait. We've got Surprises. to get a trailer for this soon. We've got to get a trailer for well, Last the, Jedi soon. The belief was they were going to attach a teaser to Rogue One and then a lot of people pointed out, and I agree, that that would have upstaged Rogue One a bit. Probably. Um, then the other belief was it was going to be attached to Beauty and the Beast. What's but I don't see that because you don't necessarily have the same audience is going to see the next, that. What's the next Marvel movie? The next big Disney slash Marvel film is uh, Guardians of the Galaxy end of April for us start of May got to be one there's got to be one on Guardians of the Galaxy even if it's just a teaser makes sense too because again in terms of advertising to new audiences you've come to watch a movie about an adventure in space here's a trailer for a thing about an adventure in space come along fam come along Um, like like people need to be told (laughs) come along fam oh yeah wonderful that was so street So there's that. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, but, but Ray's got some Gwygon Jin hair going on. Um, mm. Poe Dameron looks like Poe Dameron. He looks like Poe Dameron. Finn looks like Finn. Finn looks like Finn. He looks like Finn and he's alive. Yeah. Which is nice. Which is nice. We can't see his lower half though. Um, no. His, prof- his Professor X wheelchair or his Darth Maul spider legs. His, his Kenneth Branagh Wild Wild West Good. spider legs. Something hard and steely. A bone? Um, Why are you so cruel to me? <laughs> that is a dreadful, wonderful piece of shit. Um, like Kenneth Branagh just having a fucking whale of a time. Say what you will about the movies he's been in, but Kenneth Branagh always enjoys himself. Yes, he always, um, he's always having a blast no matter what he's in, even if it's a terrible film. 
Um, and let's be honest, in terms of his film career, at least 50% of them yeah, have been terrible films. Bad films. Um, yes. Uh, so, first look at the packaging. Uh, last look at something, something that we're going to uh, wave goodbye to as it leaves the room now and forever. The train has finally left the station, although it never went anywhere. Exactly. Uh, if you're holding out hope for Guillermo del Toro's Hellboy 3, hell, if you're holding out hope for Hellboy 3... Stop holding. It ain't happening. It's not happening. Confirmed this week by Guillermo del Toro on Twitter, yeah, I believe. He, he teased recently a meeting with him and Ron Perlman and Mike Mignola, uh, the creator of Hellboy, uh, to hash out what they were going to do with Hellboy 3 and 100% confirmed Hellboy 3 is never going to happen. Yeah. So it's possible, there's, there's a number of reasons. Uh, we don't know what they are, but it's all speculative. Ron Perlman's but- old. Could be Ron Perlman's health, <laughs> like he would not be able to do that like, kind of a shoot again. He's not a young man. Lest we forget the last one, they were making the last one ten years ago. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't young then. No. Um, so there's that. Could be Guillermo's schedule, like Guillermo del Toro is usually attached to either as director or producer or writer about five projects at a time. We know that he's working on a video game with Kojima now. Uh, I don't think he's involved. Has it involved. not been confirmed? confirmed. No. <laughs> so... <laughs> Okay. The whole thing with Death Stranding is... Right. ...is that he appears in okay. the Death Stranding trailer right. as a character. Right. But apparently he's not actually involved okay. in the Okay, so that's, that's more a Kojima going, I game. adore you and the time we spent together already has made me do this. You're going to be in this because it's fun. Okay. I don't think he's actually going to be in the game. But he was in that trailer. Okay, well, that's confusing. Well, that's a shame. Well, so we know he's involved with other stuff. We know he's a freaking, he's a co-executive producer on that DreamWorks Netflix show as well, The Trolls. Uh, yeah, yeah. The, the what's it called? Monsters. Troll Hunters. Troll Hunters. Um, he's always got a couple of films in the pipeline. He's He is still, and I want him to freaking hurry up with this, he is still in pre-production on The Haunted Mansion. Yeah. Get that shit out there, Guillermo. I Wipe the him. other one off the face of the earth, please. I'm hoping that he can eventually get his At the Mountains of Madness made, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. The Crypt Doors Creek and the Tombstones Quake. Ghost come out for a swinging wake. Make yeah. the two together. Do a Haunted Mansion... Uh, a Lovecraftian Haunted Mansion. Yeah! Oh yeah, boy! It's like... We've got 999 happy haunts. Who will be the thousandth? Oh shit, Cthulhu's at the gate! And the sight of it will drive you mad. He's also, bringing Girl Scout cookies. Also unfortunate racism. <laughs> um, so yes. Um, but, yeah, so it could be to do with his availability. It could be a rights thing. I mean, it has been nearly ten years since the Golden Army. So it's entirely possible. Who owns it? New Line, Warner Brothers? It's entirely possible. Line, yeah. So I think it would be Warner Brothers now. Right? It's entirely possible that the rights are now arse over tit up in the air. Maybe Warner they... Brothers don't want any comic book stuff coming out that isn't DC. Yeah. So there it is. Like it it's could, it could be a book, number. So. It could be a number of reasons. One of the few Dark Horse books that isn't licensed from something else. Now Mike Mignola's <laughs> Mike Mignola's ties to it could mean obviously that it will happen in some medium. Mike Mignola's not really writing Hellboy anymore. No, but he does still have like, creative... Like, he has fingers on the crusts of any pie that Hellboy... If you've been, if you've been keeping Hellboy up, bakes. If you've been keeping up with Hellboy as a as a going concern in comics, Hellboy's dead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not like an... It's, last... not, it's not like a living, breathing beast. It's something that occasionally goes, <gasps> I'm here! I'm here! I'm here! And then no. we all feel really happy and then it disappears Hellboy again. is literally dead. Oh, the character. The last series yeah. was Hellboy in Hell. 
I mean, they still do some BPRD stuff. They've got they they do a, they do a BPRD series, but Hellboy's not in it anymore. We get collectibles like up the wazoo. There's, a, there's flashback stuff as well. There's flashback stories and uh, <clears> novel, novels as well. In terms of like the ongoing nature right. of that universe, Hellboy's well, dead. What a perfect time to release a graphic novel adaptation of whatever the third film was going to be. Yeah, that would be yes. Or better yet, have a word with the guys who worked with you before and do an animated movie. Because Ron Perlman, Ron Perlman can Red. damn well voice Big Red again. I just, I just want to be only sixty-six, which is relatively young. For, I just thought like, he's older. He looks older. Yeah. Oh but god, he's, yeah. he's relatively young for like a Hollywood lead. He looks Hollywood like his face man. is filled with a thousand dark memories. But when you imagine, <laughs> when you think about how much, and then wrapped up with that string that you put around sausage meat. When you think about how many prosthetics... And a big white tash put over the top of it. And how much makeup he's got to wear to be Hellboy. Like, you don't want to be doing that in your 60s. Oh, God, no. As well, by the time if, if they did, if they were going to do it, it would take I think, a couple think, of years to get it off the ground. He'd be 60, he'd be yeah, pushing 70. I think he'd be up for it, but it'd be a case of like, Ron, this is going to kill you. Stop. Stop, oh. Ron. Can we not just digitally do... Then again... Then again, a mocap Hellboy. You could performance capture it, like nah. lower, lower. The, no, do do costume and and stuff, practical outlining. But like, don't go all the whole hog. Fill the rest of the gaps that way. Can I have the right hand of doom, mate? <laughs> the right hand of doom. Right hand of doom, mate. Right hand of doom, mate. Right. Right. It's a new album by Stone Roses. I love it. Um, I love it already. I love it. Ten out of ten. Um, you. How do you feel about M Night Shyamalan? Uh, I could not care very much for him, good sir. How do you he f- makes films? I've seen a handful of those films, and about three of those films I've liked. So, but he's very tacky as a storyteller. So, do you think, as a tacky storyteller, yes, he's a good fit to uh, resurrect? Shall we say? <laughs> a Tales from the Crypt for TNT. Because that's what he's doing. If he ain't writing it, I'm fine with it. He's writing it. Is he? He's a, he's on the writing team. Oh, that's upsetting. That means every random incidental character is going to have a quirk, like a snack they all eat. And he'll, <laughs> and he'll play at least one of them. Oh, God. And they were um, in the modern day all along! Oh, God. I I'm not delighted about him having... Um, complete creative control over a reboot of one of the greatest anthology horror, like, schlock, fun, mm. goofy, gory, spooky campfire, ghost story kind of series of all time. But man, am I delighted that Tales from the Crypt is coming back. Yes. That alone makes me happy because anthology television is great. And it's, whenever it comes back in whatever form it is, be it over here, be it in the States in recent years, it's always a lot of fun. Um, mm. and I'd like to I'd like to show people who really love American Horror Story what actual anthology horror is because American Horror Story is anthology horror in the same way that um, my diet is consistently healthy it ain't there's just the occasional change of something because American Horror Story is an anthology horror, but it's not. It's like 13 episodes of one thing. That's not anthology. It's serialised In the traditional anthology. sense, it's serialised anthology. Each yeah. series is a different story. So 
It's, well, each series is 18 different stories that they try and cram into it. It's a set of anthology serials, shall we say. It's about, uh, it's about asylum. But also like... Nazis, but also aliens, I... but also psychic shit. It's, oh, God. I don't mean like Frosties. Dirty bastard. Getting your cereal out, working it out on my table, expecting me to rub my teeth in all the crevices. What are they in Candle Cove over here? Um, Channel Zero, I'm not sure, but I want it, and I want it all, and I want it now. I want it all! Yeah, I want it all! I want it all! And I want it Where's the book? Um, <laughs> bring me the lamp. Um, so, Where's there's the that. book bell? Uh, <laughs> who the nose stuck in a what the fuck? Uh, there's nothing there, that crazy bitch. Her nose um, stuck in a feed bag. <laughs> Um, you sound like Daniel Day Lewis in There Will Be Blood. <laughs> Afterbirth, crawl out of your mother's Um <laughs> Put you in a jar and keep you on the bed. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, no. Um, I drink your milkshake. <laughs> uh, what were we talking about? <laughs> so tell us the crypt anthology horror. I'm down with that. I'm really down with that. I cannot wait to see. See, Captain, Channel Zero is more anthology horror yeah. in, the, in the each series is only like a short amount of episode. Like each story is a few episodes and then it moves on to the next adaptation. That to me is more anthology than a whole season about one thing. But I'm a sucker for Twilight Zone. Mm. I'm a massive sucker for Twilight Zone. I like uh, Tales of the Unexpected. I love Tales from the Crypt. How do you feel about like, The Outer Limits? Not seen enough to judge, but I liked what I saw. So I, I watched a fair bit of the nineties revival. That's the thing. We 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 were we were, we were slap bang in the middle of a bunch of revivals for a lot of these properties. Yeah, the all like Twilight Twilight Zone. We were seeing some of the eighties repeats, and then the yeah. early two thousands. We were there for the two thousands version and stuff. The X Files hit, and then with this Monster of the Week structure, then the Outer Limits got rebooted. Then Dark Skies came along. Yeah. Then Buffy the Vampire Slayer came yes, along. Yes, bitch. So, yeah. Um, and films like Creepshow as well. Like I just, I, I likes me some anthology horror. VHS. I like VHS. I'm not seeing VHS two. VHS two is not bad actually. Um, I liked VHS. I don't like VHS. VHS. The problem with VHS two is one segment is miles stronger than the rest. Mm. Like miles stronger than yeah, the I rest. Felt like and VHS them... two is the first one of the two to have a segment that is just like. Oh, okay, that's kind of obvious, mm. which is a shame. Um, I felt like the first VHS was, it was really consistent. It's uncomfortable. Oh god, is yeah. it? Especially the one with the uh, the fam- the uh, the couple on the trip. Yes, because oh, you spend the whole thing going, "What's the what's, what's the what's the, what's the catch here? What is this?" Yeah. Um, I've not watched VHS Viral. I've heard it's dreadful. Mm. It's got nothing to do with the, the the people behind the first two. Did you see ABC's of Death? I did not see ABC's of Death. I wanted to touch on that. But that, that was a mix of horror and comedy directors, wasn't it, working on that? I think it was, I think it was all horror shows, though. Because, like, Joe Dante, I think, did one. Possibly. Or he was involved in it. Kevin like, Smith. I know Kevin Smith did one. 26 short films, though. No, Kevin Smith didn't do ABC's of Death. He did Holidays. That was another one. That's another one we've oh, not watched yet. Holidays. That I've not seen. Yeah, that's an anthology horror. Um, I think it's a film, but it's in, like, two parts or something. Um, I have to get on that. I think it's on Netflix as well, so we've got no excuse. On the subject of Kevin Smith, actually, I've just remembered. Yeah. Oh shit, yes! Uh, we're talking about reboot, right? Is it a reboot? Yes. Do you know what? I got on our menu item, we'll talk about the other stuff next week because we can get into that in depth. Yes. But this one, we'll, we'll end our news with this because this is, and this then we're is interesting. Uh, it comes within our territory. It's from the world of podcasts as well. 
Annoyingly, Clerks 3 isn't happening. Yeah. Now, that's either a blessing or a curse, but either way, it sounds like Kevin Smith made it clear that one of the four key components isn't... It, like, it, it is out. Who do you think it was? And that doesn't make it... Well, that's the thing people are like, what does that mean exactly? Does that mean actors? Does that mean studio? Because that could be... The four key components could be, like, the actors... Um, you know, like the uh, the um. Did you say it was one of the principal the, cast? The DO. No, I'm saying, but when when they first said it, could, oh, be, it right. could be like the actors, the DOP, the studio rights and locations, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then in Fatman and Batman, he made it clear that it was one of the cast members. Yeah. Now, when you say your four your four main cast, like you've got four cast members to make it work. You got Randall. Well, when people speculate it could be cast, they're like, maybe it's Rosario Dawson. Maybe she's not available because obviously yeah, they, they, they want to carry on the story. Yeah, of, yeah. Of uh, Clerks 2, and I remember him mentioning when he first announced Clerks 3 that uh, Becky is the character, yeah. she was in it. Yeah. And Rosario had read the script he'd written and was like, Yes, I would love to come back. She's so great in Clerks 2. She's, she's great in everything. She's Rosario Dawson. Rosario Dawson is wonderful. Um, it's kind of clear the four people he was referring to in terms of the four people that have to be in it was himself, Jason Mewes, Brown Halloran, and Jeff Anderson. Based on their history and the history of Clerks 2, it's Jeff Anderson who doesn't want to do it. Oh. It's probably the waiting around. Yeah. Because it's taken Fair so long. And, and again, that's not really been Kevin's fault. That's been down to like rights issues and this, that and the other. It's weird that he doesn't own the, the rights to the film that made him like... Yeah. Well, parts of it were going to be set in a mall. So it seems like Clerks 3 was off the table about a year and a half ago. He just didn't tell us yet because he was like, "Oh god, that sounds so shitty to announce it." And then a year later, be like, "Yeah, it's not." Happening. And I might still be able to get it sorted. Yeah, but he's not. But he's then not, he was like, "I've got this location. I've got this mall." It inf- that's what inspired him to go. Oh shit! Why don't I? Like, oh my god, mall rats! I could probably negotiate that. I wanted. Uh, so he did. Yeah. Wrote more rats too. He talked to a bunch of the cast. There were fifteen cast members he needed. He spoke to thirteen of them. He got all thirteen to go. Yeah, we'd love to do it. like Michael Rucker and everybody. They all went. Yes, we'll do it. Stanley. Uh, I think the two. Stanley. Yeah, I think the two people he hadn't spoke to. I can't remember who one of them was, but the other one was Ben Affleck. Yeah, uh, and. I, I'm assuming his character wasn't essential. It'd just be that nice. Well, no, because he's not. That night, but it'd be that nice bit of icing on the cake if you yeah. could get him in it again. Um, then he announced about a year ago that Mallrats Two was no longer going to be a movie. It was going to be a show. Um, we didn't know what the home was yet, but a, like a, a company, production company was interested in turning it into a show. Mm. I think Netflix had had chatted with them briefly about. Or well, maybe we'll, you know, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, that's that's no longer. N- not happening, but it's, it's not happening. It's not happening. It, it's not off. That one's not complete. It looks like Clerks Three, as of now, is off the table. Although he's talking to his collaborator, who did the the comics in the late nineties, early two thousands. Mm. So Clerks Three, I think, is going to happen, but it will be a comic book. I'm fine with that. If if it's not also, meant to be, it's not meant to be. But it will also be nice to see what the story was going to be. Also on the not viewers universe side yes. of things. He also had Bookery Banzai in development as a show. Which hasn't been stricken. It's just waiting for permission from something. But I think he's turned around and said, I'm out. Right, so he's got the ball rolling and now he's yeah, got like, out of it. Look, I, it, it, this is a rights dispute between yes, you guys and yeah, you guys. That's what I heard, yeah. I was told that you guys had the rights to it and I was on board. If you don't have the rights to it, I'm not on board. However, like, there's another TV project he's just been announced as part of as yes, well. Which one's that one? Uh, I've completely forgotten. Oh my god, that's... Yeah. 
Damn it. But there's another um, TV thing he's been announced as being You carry in. on, I'll look that up. So, he's got another TV show on the way. We are still waiting for Hit Somebody, which was going to be his final film, and then it was going to be two films, and then it was going to be a miniseries. We are still waiting for it. I want to see that one. Hit Somebody is never going to happen. It will never happen, but I would like to see that one. He seems to have found a wonderful sort of balance now, career-wise, between podcasts, live shows, and directing for television. Um, mm. he's been directing for CW shows The Flash and Supergirl yeah, I've seen his they really like him they keep asking him back I've seen his Flash episodes I've seen his, super, his first Supergirl episode his first Flash yeah. one was really nice because there was that There was that. he always describes it as just like a director on a TV show like that as you basically come in and make sure that everything happens on time the actual execution of it is down to the talented cast and crew who are there all the time mm. but you could def- there was definitely a touch of him in terms of I think his enthusiasm to his first episode uh, what was his first? Was his first one called the uh, the Runaway Dinosaur? Or was that his second? The Runaway Dinosaur was his first Flash one. It was the end of season two. Yeah, it was the, it was, the end of season. Two. It was like the second to last, third to last episode, wasn't it? Because it was yeah. uh, it was Barry going through the Speed Force, being talked to by the Speed Force, whilst the guys were dealing with Zombie Gerda. Um, plus, obviously, you got that really cool little. Uh, no, hang on, that's not series. It's series two, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, you got that really nice cameo. From Jay Muse as well, which like wasn't gratuitous and was really kind of like, re- really well pitched and everything. And obviously, people just watching the Flash who don't know anything about Kevin Smith movies won't notice it. It's just a funny no. moment. People who watch Kevin Smith movies and go, "There's Jay!" Like so that was quite cool. And also, his daughter turns up in his episode of Supergirl, his first one. Yeah, Har- I've not seen that yet. But Har- yeah. Harley Quinn's because again, it was a case of like they were talking pre-production, they were talking about casting, and they said that like, we need like someone who's about sort of seventeen, eighteen, and he went. Um, I have a daughter? Not for nothing, but I have a daughter who is interesting in acting and has acted in like four things now. Do you want to maybe audition her? I think they, I think they auditioned her. Yeah, yeah. But they were like, no, Harley, Harley, yeah, Harley, yeah. Harley would be perfect. Bring her in. So it was like, there you go, boom. Um, um, the TV, pro- the other TV project that he's working on, come on. is a uh, TV show of Sam and Twitch. Oh, shit. Who uh, are detected uh, from 2000... Spawn comics. Oh, this is a 2018, but it's not Spawn, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So it's a Spawn TV spin-off. The hell? Of Sam and Twitch. That's Twitch, kind of the, brilliant. The, 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 the spin-off comic of which is where is one of the early things Brian Michael Bendis was known for before he started working for Marvel. Okay. So there's pedigree there. Um, um, so he's, so he's, he's a busy bugger. Yeah. Add on to that, at some point in the next year, he's going to go into production because he's found a way to to um, balance these on the third film in the in the True North trilogy. Moose Jaws. Moose Jaws. <laughs> which he'd already confirmed previously. Oh, Moose Jaws is the first film to confirm that the True North trilogy um, is in the View Askew universe because Moose Jaws features Jay and Silent Bob. Oh. Whether that has changed or not remains to be seen, but in the death of Kirk, the wake of the death of Clerks Three, and the um, the hiatus, indefinite hiatus of More Rats Two or More Brats, the TV series, <laughs> we are getting a new Jane Silent Bob movie. Yeah, they are shooting it this summer. It will be out next year, I assume. I'm guessing it will be a theatrical release, like Red State and Tusk. Because so. Yoga Hoses, I think, had a brief theatrical release, but I'm guessing this will be... I think Tusk got a roadshow release. This won't be like a big thing that a studio will be jerking off over and going, look, everyone, 
it'll be one of those things where they'll put some trailers out and the internet will respond. Yeah, yeah. The internet will go, I mean, Jay and Silent Bob, oh shit, because... The internet always responds to Kevin Smith's trailers. Oh yeah, yeah, but usually... <laughs> but here's the thing, he, ha- he they has... They always respond. <laughs> he, he has, and I think I think we could count ourselves in this, he has, like, a giant fan base of people... I don't know, I've... I've who are always... No, but, I have you know, soured you know on his mean? work of late. No, that's true, but at the same time, if he was like, here's the his Clerks 3 is a comic, you'd be like, okay. yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you, you would go back to the well, as it were. I think of, these are the films I fell in love with his work for. I will dip. Back I don't into think his Stoner Phase is his best work. No, unless of course his Stoner Phase is finally tackling his Stoner characters. This might actually be a match made in heaven, maybe, yeah. because he was sober as a motherfucker for Jane Silent Bob Strike Back. Now he ain't. He ain't. Now he's a waker and baker. And he's bringing back the two most famous Stoners in '90s cinema. <laughs> Yeah, like I mean, this is how the, this is how the the, the 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 sort of the 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 evolution went. Cheech and Chong, <laughs> Jay and Bob, Harold and Kumar. We're still waiting for the next one. Fuck it, here's Jay and Bob again. Yeah, like I think the premise. Is, oh, go on. Yeah, I think on. there is an interesting story to be told about these fuckers nearing fifty. Yeah, and like. What that—that's why I was interested in Clerks Three. Yeah, because like, Clerks was a story of people in their twenties. Clerks Two was a story of people in their thirties. Clerks Three was going to be a story yeah. of people in their forties. Like, and that what was are yeah. these people that these slackers mm. to not to be confused of, with the movie slackers. Yeah, to to, to, to sort of co-opt that phrase from the Richard Linklater movie. What is um, what is their life? Well, the last time we saw Jay and Silent Bob, they were out of a brief prison stint for holding, for carrying drugs. They were at least, in terms of the paperwork, born-again Christians. Yeah. And they were true to their word until I think I think the Donkey Show. Read your Bible, son. In the film, all sorts yeah. of crazy shit in there. In the film, <laughs> at no point, and Jay mentions it in the film, they don't touch their shit or their own shit anymore. They just sell it. That's true. They're no longer addicts. I think I might be wrong, but I'm sure one of them is smoking something in the Donkey Show. I could be completely. I think wrong. Bob smokes still. Yeah, cigarettes probably. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so they're clean now, but they still sell drugs to the youth of of Red Bank, oh, yeah. New Jersey. So are they back New Jersey? What else you could do? Are they fifty something losers selling drugs to teens? Yeah, like are they Nick Frost in Attack the Block? Yes. <laughs> like, are, are, are they, have they become like an urban legend within yeah, the community yeah. or something? Like, are they are they the Heisenbergs of New Jersey? I yeah. would be I would be surprised if there wasn't a Breaking Bad joke. And they somehow got movie. their shit together. Well, that's the thing because the plot has been revealed. The film is called Jay and Silent Bob Reboot. And the plot is, as of now, as of the announcement of the script and the, the, the imminent shooting schedule, the plot of the movie is that Bluntman and Chronic, the superhero property that is based on a comic, that is based on them, that they get minor royalties for. for Bluntman and Chronic had a movie, as we saw in Jason Bob Strike Back. Whether the film got finished, I don't think it's ever confirmed. Yeah, they, yeah, they go and watch yeah, it. Yeah, they it's theater, don't they? But yeah, so there's that. Bloodman and Chronic is getting a remake. The franchise is being rebooted. The new film, Bluntman v. Chronic, of course it is, is coming to cinemas. And Jay and Bob basically go, the fuck, again? 
Because <laughs> last time they made a film, they plowed out to Hollywood. They were like, you either stop this or you pay us a shit ton of money. They're going to Hollywood to put a stop to it or get them to pay him a shit ton of money. This film is a remake of Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back about them stopping a remake of the movie that was made in Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Now, that is either some next-level genius or a really misguided plot idea. Either way, I'm going to watch this. The same thing could be said about any (laughs) of Kevin Smith's films of the last 15 years. <laughs> really? I mean, yes. Well, there's only been one view. There's only been one Askew Universe film in the last fifteen years, which Clerks Two. Really good idea. Really good idea. Um, that a lot of people don't love, and I don't get that. That's I love. Clerks that's my favourite one. Yeah, and I think it's because I see the the heart in it that time. Oh yeah, 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 big time. Um, big time. Like if Clerks is more a statement on youth oh, really? culture and stuff, and sort of like how you feel as a kid looking forward to yeah, something, yeah, like yeah. everything's kind of bleak. Clerks 2 is a, well, we made it to adulthood and we're not dead, so... What do we do now? What do we do now? Yeah. And that, I think that, to me, is a more fascinating story with those characters. Yeah, yeah. Clerks yeah. almost feels like a play that's been filmed. Yeah. yeah. Um, Clerks 2 sort of feels a bit more like a film, yeah, in a way. Yeah. And not just because of the musical, uh, the dance number. Which is um, Which wonderful. is out of nowhere, but kind of brilliant. It's wonderful. Um... And the entire, the entire Lord of the Rings, uh, there's only one trilogy motherfucker. There's only one return motherfucker in it, eight of the, the king. So the, the Jedi. Jedi. The trilogy conversation is great. Eli is a... Is, is it Eli? Yeah, yeah. Elias. 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 Great character. The and that's the biggest loss of Clerks 3 to me. Yeah. That's the biggest loss. Because um, that guy's like a part-time video game developer. Yeah. And his video game company is working on a Jane Bob side-scroller beat up for, for Steam. It's still happening. Oh, okay. Uh, I think they either hit a roadblock or it just they had other priorities because that was a crowdfunded one. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, they, they recently put out some new uh, like character designs for it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Um, is it called Blunt Them Up? Blunt Them Up? Something like that. Um, but anyway. Blunt, uh, Sonic Blunt Punch or something like that. Yeah, I think that might be, actually. Uh, um, something dumb. So, all of Kevin's films in the last 15 years, aside from Clerks 2, have been independent ventures. They've been Jersey Girl. Um, I see the... I see the heart in it. Not an amazing piece of cinema. No, I've not seen Jersey Girl stuff. Uh, it's... And, and at the time, was butchered because it was tied into the tabloid obsession with Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck. Uh, even though she's in the movie, briefly at the beginning, playing his his ex-partner Jennifer Lopez um, like, which was cast I think basically because he was like well you two are an item you can portray this convincingly yeah. go but obviously then they they split around the time of Jersey Girl coming out and it was a big Literally media roar. in half plus Jersey Girl was not like any of his previous movies so people yeah. hated it because of that um, Cop Out isn't really a Kevin Smith movie just directed it uh, and it's abysmal I've not seen it it's terrible it's terrible um, God, what else? Zach and Mary make a porno was pretty well received. I really like Zach. And I Mary. like that one a lot. That feels like a, that feels like a cousin to the View Askew stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like well, a, lot his his, a lot of his sensibilities there. It's his attempt to be Judd Apatow, yeah. which is really sad because Judd Apatow is kind of the next Kevin Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To in a way, so it sort of felt weird. It was like, why are you trying to be like the new kid? But it works. Yeah, I really like. I really like Zach. And, and I think a lot of that is because of Seth Rogen and Elizabeth Banks. <laughs> like their, their, chem- their chemistry is genuinely really nice in that movie. Um, 
So the Zach and Miri, Red State was his next one. That is great. Red State is an uncomfortable, I really, religious, really like sort Red of State. religious yeah. horror movie, which is really uncomfortable and, and horrible. Uh, which Jay and Bob are in without being seen. You know the hall that they think is the Rapture. I mentioned it was black. Yeah, a bunch of stones up at the local farm. It confirmed it was either in the commentary or in a smogcast around the time that Jay and Bob um, were amongst the stoners at the farm. Fantastic. Um, so I like that. But the only reason they did that ending is because they couldn't afford the ending you wanted, which was the rapture. Yeah, yeah. Um, I really liked that as well. I thought that was a great fucking... Yeah. But I, 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 but I like the left turn because by the time the, the horns sound in the movie, you're you're fully expecting, fuck, this could go that way now. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that it doesn't, you're like, oh. Oh yeah, this is this is just a film about Religious fundamentalist and nutters. Okay. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Um, but yeah. Uh, so there's that. There's that. Because uh, what was the original ending? Like, the freaking Angel Gabriel comes down and like, beheads Michael Phelps and the rest of the family and then turns to John Goodman as there's fire rage in the sky and just goes, shh. <laughs> it's just like, what? Um, but yeah. So Red State. Then his next one was... What's his next movie? Was his next one Tusk? Is that how it's Tusk, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if we're talking writing, the next one was Jane Silent Bob's Super Groovy Cartoon Movie, which is a fun distraction. It's not a great film, but, <laughs> but, it, but, it, but it's fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a better version of it. It's called the comic book miniseries it was based on, uh, which was Chasing Dogma. Yeah. And yeah. the Bloodline and Chronic mini. Like, it's all a tie-in. That's better. Um, so there's that. Tusk is very divisive. It's stupid, but I admire it because it's like, this is bullshit. No one's ever going to make this. Fuck it, let's make it. That's why I kind of like it. Morbus, yes. And I do, as indulgent as as self indulgent as it is, I do enjoy watching Donnie Depp's Gila Pointe. Because it's just him going, this movie's not a life or death situation. This movie's not going to affect my career in any way. I'm going to play. And I'm kind of fine with that. That's been because every much... Donnie Depp movie. Of the last fifteen years, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like, as much as I love, as much as I love, like you know, Alan Rickman and and yeah, and, yeah. and George Carlin and all these other, you know, Ben Affleck and, and Seth Rogen, all these other actors he's played with, and as much as I love, sort of his more local team like Jay Muse and, and Jeff Anderson. I mean, Jeff Anderson is great in Clerks Two in particular. Mm-hmm. Brian Halloran is brilliant because he, he has to be the, the everyman relatable yeah. kind of thing as, as Dante, but like Randall has to sort of bring that extra thing to it, mm-hmm. and Dante has to play off of that. And as much as I love those guys and the talent they bring to it, there is something really unique about seeing Kevin Smith, the clerks guy, directing Johnny Depp in heavy prosthetics, not giving a fuck. There's something kind of interesting about that. So I, I admire Tusk. Johnny Depp's always... Also, Michael Phelps is fucking great in Tusk. Michael Phelps is always Michael great. Phelps, not Michael Phelps. The Phelps is the thing he was based off of. Michael... Uh, Michael... We're thinking Phelps because Phelps, Fred, is the Phelps. Fam- Fred Phelps is the guy Phelps. he's channeling in Red yeah. State. But yeah. Michael uh, Phelps is, a, is there is a person called Michael Phelps, obviously. Yeah, I just don't know who it is. Uh, Michael Parks is freaking great in Red State, and he's Phelps. he's batshit mental and enjoyable in Tusk. I haven't seen Yoga Hoses yet. I know it's on Netflix. I'm gonna have to watch. Is it, it. on Netflix? It's on Netflix now. Gonna have to watch oh, it. I'm gonna have to give it a go. Uh, it's got like two oh, stars. Michael Phelps on is the swimmer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we're gonna have to watch Red, uh, Yoga Hoses and stuff. But hey, hey, um. I'm up, for, I'm up for revisiting Jay and Bob, especially in a world where they are tapping into stuff and bringing it back. If your movie is going to... If it, if it uses the same sensibilities as Jay and Silent Bob, straight back, which is the only one of his films that is a flat-out comedy of that original series, the rest of them are all kind of 
comedy dramas in a way. Yeah, yeah. Like, even, more rats is a bit more comedy than drama, but, like, you know, it, it's got a weird tone to the it. Absurdist dramas, <clears throat> I'd yeah. say. Particularly Dogma, which is absurd, yeah. but is a drama. Yeah, and, it, and Dogma probably is best script. I think it's the best film. Yeah. Period. Yeah, agreed. It's just, because again, it's a, it's, it's a movie with a, a genitalless Alan Rickman and a shit monster that talks about religion and sociology and freaking birth control and all these sort of big topics uh, yeah. and talks about them really well. In fact, I would say the best statement in a, in a movie about like sort of pro-choice and everything is in Dogma. It's the bit where they say, like, we don't be like, the protesters have been out all the life things, and they're like, what well, one does with the bodies are all fucking messed up. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's great. Send back from the mouths of stone babes. <laughs> but like, that's, you know I mean, that's the, that, that's the pick. So, if this movie is like Strike Back and is absurd and kind of a parody like Strike Back was, yeah. I'm up for that. Because parody is kind of dead in cinema. Lego Batman movie is probably the only good parody movie in a long time. Parody is a dirty word now. Yeah, because of the blank movie. Yeah. Um, and blank movie and all that. And Haunted House and the, what, the damage the Wayans have done oh, and stuff like... Parody is a, is a dirty word, like you say. The Spartans. Yeah, but Lego Batman movie is, if anything, a parody. Yeah, yeah. And a beautifully told one. A much needed parody. Yeah. And if Reboot is a parody like Strike Back was... I'm all for this it. This town needs an, an, a parody. <laughs> nice. <laughs> oh, God. Speak, On that subject. Speaking of an enema, emails! Hey! Um, I don't one. know what that means. First one comes in from Mitchell. Hey, Mitchell, how are you? Mitchell, hey, hey, Mitchell. Mitchell, Mitchell. Mitchell, 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 Mitchell hey, how are you, Mitchell? You good? I'm good, Mitchell. Chris, take the microphone out of your mouth. Okay. Uh, Hey, Chris and Matt, I love this podcast. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks, Mitchell. What are some of your... Write us a review on iTunes. Yay! <laughs> what are some of your favourite Game of Thrones scenes? Um, I have barely watched it in context. I like the bit with the boobs and the swords. I like the bit with the boobs and the blood. And the swords. You've barely watched it in context as well. No, I've seen all of it. Oh, God. I'm, okay, I'm, I was confused for a second. And I've read all the books. Um, I think the show has done a really interesting job of, of picking up where the books have left off. Um, and a lot of that stuff from last season I thought was really strong. I think they fudged some things, like the Jamie and Cersei relationship. But I got some real... Uh, Oh, it's difficult to say without getting into spoilers. Um, well, as long as it's as long as it's as long as it's uh, anything from prior to the pre the most recent season, I'm sure you could talk about it openly. There was a battle. I don't, I don't mind. I'm gonna forget anything you say. There by was the time a, I get around to watching it. All. There was a moment last season, a battle in which uh, a city was retaken, and fuck me, that was a great. Sequence. Oh, I've seen this. I've seen this. There's a, yeah. bit, there's a bit of a standoff as well, sort of in a clearing, watching the destruction as it's happening, a sort of a, um, a declarative statement, and then like they're kind of lined up. And uh, there is some, there is some great, uh, there's some great battles throughout. The, one of the things that struck me the most that struck me the most was at the end of season two when they did the Battle of Blackwater Bay, which was the first time the show had not shied away from a big battle scene. Yeah. And like, find the first a way to, to shoot the first... around it or get away yeah. from it narratively. And 
Jesus, that was real good on a TV budget. Um, everyone knows about the Red Wedding and all that stuff. Various pleasing death scenes have been very well done. Um, oh, the gentle dismemberments and the like. The final scene, uh, the first scene of the final episode of last season, or the first sequence at the Great Sept of Baylor and surrounding it, was pretty intense. Oh, and I, great! I have an answer. My favourite scene from the television series, The Game of the Thrones, is what? <laughs> My favourite scene, as asked by one of our listeners of Game of Thrones, is this one. All of it. Oh, that's a bullshit answer. You've watched it all. I've just come in. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Wait, give, that... me, give me a second to think. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just I'm just channeling my inner monologue. It has a lady's voice. Dad, are you going to tell me what you're doing before you do it? That's definitely your inner monologue. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely what you think to yourself. All the time. <laughs> so the mouth says something, the brain goes, uh, excuse me, uh, we didn't we didn't uh, consult on this. What the fuck am I doing? I'm covered in bees. <laughs> Can we mention um, a spoiler? It's not really a spoiler. As long as it's I, not I've talked the... around them. An awesome battle of, with Jon Snow and... A, yeah, a I, I mentioned that. I told you. A baddie. Yeah, a baddie. That's freaking awesome. And also, is that, is that my favourite scene of the Game of the Thrones? A show my, I've definitely that's watched. That's your favourite scene. A show I've definitely watched. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, 100% watched. Said, and said baddies come up and... Yeah. Said baddie is also appearing in some, in another adaptation. Of another oh, thing God, it's so awesome. As well. Sorry. Uh, Inhumans. Is that him? Yeah. Is that the guy? Yes. He's playing Maximus the Mad in the upcoming Inhumans TV series. Oh, snap! Yeah. That was announced today. Because he's mad. It was announced today if today was two days ago. Yes. Um, which is by the time you listen to this will be four days ago. Um, Sean. Hey, Sean. Says, hello. Hey, Sean. Hey, Sean. Sean, how you doing, Sean? You're at Sean. Relating the microphone. I'm sorry, Sean. I'm going to have to take it out of my mouth, Sean. One second, Sean. <clears throat> hey, Sean. Hello, big damn gentlemen. After the backflip news. I, I am a gentle man, but not a gentle man. If you receive my meaning. Um, after the Batfleck news, I was wondering... <laughs> Which one? Which bit of Batfleck news, Sean? There's so much news. I was wondering if combining the DCEU and the CW Arrowverse would help it. Maybe using CW Flash's multiverse skipping, with CW Flash accidentally running to DCEU and accidentally changing a few things. Or just letting the DCEU die. <laughs> and in a few years, spin off from the CW Arrowverse with different characters just incidentally tied to the shows, but either in a different city or just in the wider multiverse of the Arrowverse, with just a hint of other things going on outside the movie. Would combining the two confuse or just build on the already successful Arrowverse? I think it would confuse as far as the uh, movies go. As far as the TV yeah. shows go, I think, the, I think the audience of the TV shows would would love something like that. I think they I mean, should I, have I, done I, that. I, for one, would be like, if they turned around and went, yeah, Grant Gustin's Flash is the Flash of the movies, I'd go, that is really cool. Yeah. And I was disappointed they didn't go in that direction. But if we've already got Supergirl in another dimension, which means the TV Superman's in that same we've other already dimension, got then we've already got Superman, the even episode, though I would admit I would, I would prefer the TV Superman to the cinematic Superman. The episode currently. I saw yesterday of Supergirl also featured Cyborg Superman. All Although right. he's Hank Henshaw, so he's black. 
Yeah. And but he's not he, got the Superman he's... costume, he's, but he's got the metal face. Okay. Um, Only a matter of time and, before they get him in a Superman outfit, let's be and honest. And Metallo. There's no point dressing him up as Superman, though, because he's black and he doesn't look like Superman. Well, that There's no still... point going that angle. Oh, we'll still give him a Superman-style costume. Yeah, yeah. Um, Come on, give us that. He's just in a hoodie. Um, Gorilla Grodd's about to make his third uh, appearance on television. Give us and Cyborg Superman Earth in a two, costume. So, we're getting Gorilla City, because... Yeah, I saw the two. teaser poster's um, beautiful. Yeah. Because um, uh, the, the tagline's just rumble in the jungle. And it's just that massive, like, gorilla head-shaped temple. I love it. I love it. Is Clancy Brown still voicing him, I'm guessing? I believe so. Oh, but the last yes. um, the last episode of Supergirl I watched last night was... You got Metallo. You got Cyborg Superman. Jimmy Olsen is Guardian. mon isn't it? You've got... So Lena Luthor... Lena Luthor... Yeah. Is... A recurring character this season. Yeah, as... does she does she sort her accent out yet? No. Oh. Um, <laughs> as is her mother, who runs Cadmus, and you get a flashback in this in this episode, which was the first meeting of Lena and Lex Luthor. So we're gonna see Lex. We saw a young Lex. Okay. Like a 12, 13 year old Lex. Okay. And a young, like a six year old, seven year old Lena comes in after she's been adopted and beats him at chess straight away. Oh shit! Um, and you also see Lionel Luthor. Who looks like classic Lex with the business suit and the bald head. Yeah. Um, and you also go to one of Lex's bunkers. Because I think Lex... They keep... The way that... I think they've mentioned that Lex is in prison, but the way they keep talking about him like he's dead. Obviously, um, man's done something <clears throat> to him. I remember um, the season two opener, because we watched it on together, yeah. they, they referred to him being put away. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and um, it's known that he's he was doing criminal activities. Well, they like, got, it's, it's well known publicly that he was a bad egg. They go to one of his bunkers and he's got like a weapons cache with a black mercy and Jeez. some of the, and a box with his green and purple battle suit in. Oh shit! And I'm like, why is the TV series with their tinier budget why? doing a much better job than these multi million dollars? Brothers, they are <laughs> embarrassing you, and now you've let them use Superman, it's, and you've mentioned Gotham. It's only a matter of time until you have to do Batman, and I don't mean have Arrow do tweaks of Batman stories. I mean you have to do Batman. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if the next big crossover event was a Justice League style story. Well, I think we got the beginnings of that in Invasion. Oh yeah, no, but I mean a story where, um, like, Flash, specifically, yeah. they have to narrow it down, it'll have to be like Supergirl, Flash, Arrow, and maybe Atom <laughs> team up with Superman and, and Batman or Wonder Woman. It's going to have to be one yeah. of the two of them with him. And I think, But I also think, Dan, that Legends of Tomorrow being a team show and it all being, like, C-list characters... Mm. Gives it a feel of the sort of Keith giving Dan DiDio Justice League International. Yes, but bitch. not as funny because it takes itself a bit too seriously. Yeah, <laughs> but it's you know it's good. It's got the potential to be like that. Um, but I think combining the two would confuse them. I think they've missed that train. Yeah, I don't think they can do that now. But I, th- I mean, if if you wanted to do like. Uh, I don't think using Flashpoint to di- reboot the. There's digital comics of. The CW stuff, right? They're They've sure. had some of them. John Barrowman the... wrote a Dark Archer series, and there's been yeah. a couple of tie-ins here and there. If you wanted to do a mini comic event with DC Comics, where TV Flash universe skips and is in the DCEU, 
obviously they probably wait till after their flash has been seen properly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they'd want to do it as a crossover. I'd be interested. I'd, I mean, I don't like the DCEU currently, but I'd read that story because I'd be like, oh, cool. Do you know what I mean? Like, let's see how these versions of the characters play off each other. Yeah, I think but, that's not much out. But I, 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 I think it would confuse too many. I think it would confuse the movie going public. I think it's a safe bet to imagine that they'll use Flashpoint to reboot the DCEU if they need to, because they've already done that with the TV series. Yeah, they um, they do that at the start of season three of Flash. So, the, the, but not correct mistakes to tell more stories. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, and, and also, um, I don't want to taint the CW DC universe with the filth I mean, of the DCEU. I'm not sitting around going to turn around and defend the C- the DC TV stuff because some of it is not great. No, but that some lovely, of it is that 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 overall bad. aesthetic that is definitely apparent in Legends, Flash and Supergirl yeah. is so far removed from the sort of the drab yeah, yeah. Um, biblical um, For real. end of days feel of the movies that it would it would kind of suck mm. to um to taint it that way. I don't know. Just um, just do just do a one off special storyline of your T V series where they finally have Batman in it and have John Hamm play Batman and I'll die a happy man. So will John Hamm. John, um, John Hamm would be... I mean, we've already talked about like John Hamm should... There's an alternate universe where John Hamm is Batman in a Batman movie right now, and Taron Egerton is is uh, Dick Grayson, Robin on the verge of becoming Nightwing. Oh! Yes! Come on! Why? Come on! Give it a couple more years and do Dark Knight Returns with John Hamm. No, if you can do Dark Knight Returns, I've, I'm going to agree with something that Kevin Smith said on Batman and Batman Once Upon a Time. If you're going to do Dark Knight Returns as a film, for example... I mean, you can't now, because Snyder's yeah. pillaged it to death. But if you would have done... I would put Clooney in the role. Oh, actually, yeah. Let him redeem... Like, it's not his fault, obviously, entirely, but, like, let him redeem himself. Because mm. he's got the chops and the respect now that people go, really? Mind you, that being said, okay. we, talk, we talked on this before, but they did that animated adaptation of Dan I Returns, and mm. turning it into a film just kind of sucked everything that was good out about it and just highlighted mm. the stuff that wasn't great. I mean, it was still it was still a very well made animated movie, and it's it's a was it's, it's, it's it though, Chris? A, yes, it is. It's a very cool double feature. The problem is, it's just not a story that is an enjoyable story. No. If you're going to put all that time and effort in, tell something that is not just you know the same thing we've now seen a million times. I just don't think it's. It, I don't think it translates very well into into film. All right, screw um, that. A Batman Beyond movie with Keaton in the role of Bruce Wayne. Taron Egerton as Terry McGinnis. Yes. All right. No, no, cast an Asian American actor. Okay. Shake it up. Alright. Shake it right up, baby. That works for me. Um, and then cast Tyron Egerton as... I don't know. Who's, who's Terry Guinness's villain? Some cunt. Captain Some Cunt. Sean also says... Also with this Lego movie, movie universe being expanded with Lego Batman and a comedic take on their own Ninjago series... What other Lego original or licensed properties would you like to see have its own movie in this universe? Let's make a Star Wars Guardians of the Galaxy style space adventure series with all the uh, Lego space stuff from the late 80s and mid 90s. I mean, they'll never do that. They'll never, Lego movies will never touch Star Wars or Marvel. No, because they are Warner that Brothers. style, but use their like eighties oh. and mid nineties oh, right. space Lego, like space um, police and as, uh, long as, they, as long as they get the sticks out of their asses, UFOs. As long as they get the sticks out of their asses and at least do like a crossover joke with Star Wars in there somewhere, because they did that the Lego movie. They, they got their heads out of their asses enough to do a Star Wars joke in Lego movie with the Millennium Falcon. 
Oh yeah, of course they did. So they they managed to do that. Lego Dimensions is never is likely to not for a while have Star Wars and Marvel. And not until the dust has settled on Disney Infinity. Yeah. So. Which at the same time is kind of a brilliant move for Lego Dimensions because if Lego Dimensions starts to quieten down in popularity, they can suddenly whip out the Star Wars Marvel. dick and everyone yeah. will go. Oh! Um, but yeah, it's like, uh, like it's yeah. I mean, that'd be fun uh, if, if if we're talking about their properties, the the Lego properties. Um, just you know, no, I don't want them all to be adaptations. I think, like you say, ad- adapt a Lego franchise, not a franchise that is in Lego. Because otherwise that would get old style with the nineties pirates Lego, like Um, the all all the Atlantis underwater exploration stuff from the mid to late nineties. Like do do that Um, as a you know as a journey to the journey uh, twenty thousand leagues like a like a medieval sword and sorcery story. Nice uh, Lego. They've got that ghouls line that's sort of loosely based on the old Universal Monsters sort of Uh, style. It's like it's like it's like a Ghostbusters, not the Ghostbusters, more like. Filmations, Ghostbusters meets the Universal Monsters. They have a line based around that kind They've of thing. They've got a whole be cool. fucking sub genre of Bionicle mm. shit as well, haven't they? Well, Bionicle's sort of wrapped up now. It Bionicle has naturally just become those Bionicle esque figures they release as tie-ins to like Star Wars and stuff. Like you got the Vader. yeah, yeah, I've got the Vader. Um, but you could certainly do. But I think Bionicle's. I think Bionicle is kind of a, a, a drained franchise, so maybe not Bionicle, um, but certainly. I mean, Nin- Ninjago looks fun, and the short f- that was before Stalks, that was before like about the preview mm. uh, called The Master. That was a really cool little short, and I'm I'm annoyed they didn't continue and put it on in front of the Lego Movie, but apparently it was attached to Stalks. So that the reason why I saw it when I saw Lego Batman was because I saw it on preview weekend, and they didn't have the Ninjago trailer out at that point, so they put The Master, this little short about the the Master, the Sensei from Ninjago, in front of it that was originally attached to Stalks in October. Well, I guess somebody had to see Stalks, so. I wanted to see that because it looked like a Warner Brothers cartoon in terms of its style and its pace. And it's, Again, off topic. And, um, it's, uh, <laughs> and it's Grace. Nice. Um, it's a lady. We're going to finish up as you as as has become the custom with what? Jacob. Ah, Jacob. With Jacob. Your eyes. Um, it says hello. You one. I'm going to do him as the ghost of David Boy. Hello, you wonderful cockers. What was that you just call us? Hello, you wonderful cockers. Oh, you wonderful cockers. I want to see the Lego Batman movie, and it is the best Batman movie ever. Um, <laughs> I'm going to drop that now, because it's disrespectful. It encapsulates the whole Batman DC unit better than any other film has or will. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. I like it so much, I spent over £50 on blind bags. I cannot describe in words how ruddy good it is. <laughs> All I can say is... Iron Man sucks. Enough said. Um, <laughs> that was, yes. That was the one joke where I was like, I can't believe they went there. They I'm went kind there. of delighted that they had the stones to do it. And I'm sure Marvel aren't remotely offended. <laughs> I think Marvel will be fine. Rolling around in their thousand dollar bills with Robert Downey Jr.'s face printed on it. I think they're not going to be offended by that. Kevin Feige just goes, ah, let them have this one. Uh, <laughs> the little Lego movie. Puff, puff, puff. Pass to Robert Downey Jr. Well, I think Kevin. Uh, I think Kevin Feige. Yeah, I think Kevin. I'm Feige, off. I'm off. I think Kevin Feige just be like, "Oh, let them have this one because this is actually a good movie from these guys." Yes. Hey, hey, they've Before I get on to Doctor Who questions, I realised last week I should pull a Fine Brothers and try to trademark word like React. 
But in my case, I would trademark the word unitard because I've got to have money. <laughs> uh, ooh, reference. Um, yes, you, you can try. You will fail, but you can try. Um, <laughs> now for Doctor Who questions. Who do you think you relate to most in the whole of the Doctor Who unitard? <laughs> Who do I relate to in the, all of the Doctor Who unit? Yeah. Um, Colin the, uh, Dent or Dentan. Dent. Uh, the uh, bloke played by Jeffrey from Fresh Prince who runs the little tea shop in Remembrance. Oh, he's great. Because I'm just trying to get, I'm just trying to get on with me day. Don't give me any massive, giant philosophical theory about ripples. Um, I just want, I just want you to pay me for that cup of tea. The answer is. As always, the women. How much is a Kronkberger? Uh, 20 grapples. Roughly. A whole afternoon of blips and chits! <laughs> um, I have no idea. Probably too much. Um, when do you think Doctor Who started to go downhill? Uh, season 6. Yes. Um, is Boomtown still your guys' favourite episode of Series 1? Uh, I don't think it's our favourite. As 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 we as we it's said good. in the thing that I, I I know I definitely said a few times like my favourite one changes from time to yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. That first um, that first series is so strong. Have you seen the Steelbook? No. It's getting a limited edition Blu-ray Steelbook re-release, and I haven't bought. I've wanted. I've wanted against my better financial judgement to buy all the slim versions because those, I've still got the original release with the big the box sets yeah magnetised TARDIS that I, I, falls apart yeah when Lucy and I moved in together like she had the smaller box set so that was the one that went on the shelf that is the way to go man. but now you can get for like t- for, I mean let's have a quick peek on the old Amazon. now you can get a slim box for your DVDs and Blu-ray I mean, we're not sponsored, but uh, let's have a quick look at season one. So you get the DVD of season one as a slim case for £12 yeah. immediately, right? That is amazing. And a Blu-ray copy of it, I believe, for the same uh, same design. £25? Yeah. Not that bad, really, is it? For, like, the complete season in, in a, in a 13 episodes Blu-ray. of a 12-year-old TV show? <laughs> All right, fair enough. Well, if you want to get that season one to four DVD collection box that was quite small, that's less than 40 quid now. Uh, and if you want to get them on DVD... You're talking a tenner each if you want to get it on DVD, yeah. So that's not bad, is it? Like if you're getting it, well, that's the full box set for some reason chucked in there. But yeah, that's not bad. That's relatively cheap. However, it's season one is getting a steelbook. Uh, we call series one as well. Here it is, Amazon steelbook for twenty five. Look at that. Look at that beauty. Describe what you see. There's the Chris. back. The front cover of this steelbook is a. I think it might be Will Brooks, but I could be wrong. Uh, it's a painting of Rose looking gorgeous and the Doctor looking gorgeous in the back-to-back thing, but with his hand outstretched, Alada, do you want to come with me kind of like thing? Yes, I do. I it's do on, want to come with you. On the back of it, Bad Wolf graffiti TARDIS surrounded I by do. X looking gorgeous in paint as well, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, Dalai stunning. good. Like. There's the full thing. The it's got the uh, the the brand logo, the TV movie logo on the spine, real small series one. So it's nice and neat, minimalist. And the inside is one of the early press serious photos. Chris, serious Billy, serious Chris and serious Billy in the console room, and it looked gorgeous. I mean, it looks crisper than the series looks. I've not seen the Blu-ray transfer of series. Uh, it's the one. Ver- it's the versions that are on Netflix because they're HD. I've not seen those either, so I'll have to give I'll have to give that a peek. But, right. um, Still in the full three, I think. But I I haven't rebought series one. 
as much as I've wanted, I've really wanted to repurchase series one. I'd say like one through seven in the slim um, format. I've been tempted to just for space reasons more than anything. But I'll wait until they are like all a tenner and then maybe I'll do it. You know, like I'll get them every now and again. Like I'll pick one of them up every once in a while. I'm more, I'm um, more. I'm happy to own what I own, but shelf wise, it is a bit of a bastard to try and stack them on shelves when it's that blocky. My, my Series 6 box set is a cluster fluff. I got the special edition with a giant silent face sticking out the front. Nice. I mean, more, I mean, more of a hurry to. Um... But I will, I will immediately purchase this. I will definitely buy this series one steelbook because it's my favourite series, and there it is in a gorgeous Blu-ray re-release. Mm. So yeah, and I imagine if it sells well, they'll probably do it for the rest of the series. So yeah, I'll end up probably buying series one through um, four on Blu-ray, which I don't have on Blu-ray in steelbook. I'm more um, interested in completing my uh, incredibly gappy classic um, collection. Oh, bottom jaw, I was going to say. Oh shit! <laughs> That's worrying. Uh, no, I'm, I'm more. I'm more interested in filling in my incredibly gappy uh, classic series. Yeah, especially because since they've re-released so many stories with like new features and new transfers and shit. What, what, what were those box sets called? Cause I, got, I got the uh, revisitations. revisitations. I got those. I, I held off for ages buying Robots of Death and and, really uh, and, and Talons of Wayne Chang because I was waiting for that box set. Because it's so um, good. Do you know which Doctor Who ask me which Doctor Who thing I've owned more times TV than movie. any other TV movie? I own the DVD and it was that weird um, one with the you know the slipcases they released at WH Smith for a while mm. during the mid two thousands with the deep blue covers mm. and, and the orange writing, uh, I had the TV movie on that, and then I gave that away. I think um, I've then hello. Uh, I then owned it on the normal DVD. I think for a brief spell. I had the original issue VHS, and then sold that one, and then I've got it in revisitations. You had the VHS. No, the, the the original issue was that the one with like the steel because it was like a, a it was, tin. It was, wasn't no, it wasn't a tin. It was it was a silver plastic. Oh, um, VHS case ew. with the. Ew. I will sh- I will show you when we finish this podcast because we've really got to finish. We do. This, is, this has been a long one. For, to, to, and forty minutes of this has been spent slagging off Emma Watson. We just we just <laughs> we just strolled through this episode with our nose in a book. What book? Exactly, Chris. You've not got a book. What book? Where is the book? Join us next week for more Big Damn Cast. In the meantime, you can get in touch with us, bigdamncontact at gmail.com, as well as on Twitter, at bigdamncast. There's some questions you guys asked this week, which we'll answer next week, so don't you worry if we didn't answer. We'll always get to you in a future episode. Uh, If you want to subscribe to us on iTunes, if you haven't already, please do. Of course, Big Damn Channel on YouTube. And uh, we'll catch you later. Christopher! Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Christopher! Bye-bye. Ignore that man. Where's the book? He doesn't know what he's talking about. Where's the book? God send help. Someone phone for the police. He's getting violent! Ah! Where's the book?